0: Welcome to the Velocity Podcast, brought to you by management consulting firm Oliver Wyman. In this episode, we are joined by Dimitris Kostamis and Konstantinos Varsos, and Chris Reed and Omar Santos from Trax USA, where they discuss the emerging technologies and workforce trends that drive MROIT solutions.
1: Welcome to our podcast. I'm Dimitris Kostamis. Senior advisor with the Transportation Services Group at Oliver Wyman. And I'm joined today by Costas Varsos, partner at Oliver Wyman Transportation and Services Group. Also, Chris Reed, managing director at Trax, and Omar Santos, vice president, customer services at Trax. Thank you all for joining. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, let us get started with the with a, with a first question, which is In the past year, what have you seen? In the market customers potential leads in terms of trends and challenges what are the emerging things the new things that you're observing
2: we've had a lot of experience obviously over the last year a lot of new airlines coming on board amazingly still startups uh, in in process Uh, obviously as we know the airline market has had a bit of a challenging few years Uh, a lot of airlines did reduce their fleets so, of course, they're running, some of them are running at slightly lower capacity still. So load factors actually are very high because the market is really picked up. But then, of course, yields are high as well. But one of the challenges that we've seen with a lot of our clients is resources, personnel. So obviously, they got rid of a lot of people during COVID and now they're not able to get a lot of people back again. And I think that's pretty much across the aviation industry through check-in, airport security, you know, airline operations, etc. So one thing that we've seen quite a big trend with our clients is the requirement for more mobile and paperless working. So they're getting a lot of efficiencies out of that. They can do more work with less people, uh, you know, improve their processes, and of course, yeah, do more with less people, basically. So you know, one of our emerging trends really is the popularity of our mobility applications uh, and, and people airlines moving towards a fully paperless operation. Airlines and MROs as well, of course. Excellent, Chris. So let me ask you this, especially on the mobility piece.
1: Are you happy and satisfied with the progress uh, that your clients are making in terms of mobility adoption? And what do you see as the main obstacles in, in adoption
2: of that technology? Sure. Yeah, thank you. So um, cl- clients have been progressing well. I think when we talk to, you know, to our customers, the majority of them want a paperless and mobile operation. Now, of course, getting there can be quite challenging when you've got a, you know, many years of existing processes based on paper to migrate that now to a fully digital platform. So that's sort of some of the big challenges, I think. Generally speaking, in terms of adoption, you know, a lot of airlines now, because of the situation we've had with the pandemic, they're bringing on a lot of younger people. Those people are very used to technology. So giving them you know, mobile apps is all very familiar to them. I think you know, with, with the, perhaps the more ageing workforce, That can be more challenging for them to use mobility applications rather than than a paper-based solution, which is obviously a little bit more tactile and and easier for them to be familiar with. But what we've actually found is in some of our clients that have adopted the mobile and paperless, the older guys obviously very experienced on the aircraft, but not so experienced on the technology. The younger guys more experienced on the technology, but less on the aircraft. So actually the young guys have been helping the old guys with the technology and the older guys have been helping the young guys with the, you know, learning the aircraft experience. So it's actually been a really good sort of marriage, you know, in many clients for them to be able to sort of improve the overall process for everybody.
1: Chris, this is an excellent point. And I'll pick up on what you just
2: said about the different generations.
1: Do you see that being a driver of your technology roadmap in the next few years, like trying to uh, basically cater to the needs of of those uh, new generations? And what are you doing in that respect?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously the, the move towards a very mobile workforce um, is, is something that's been coming for many years. We, we brought our mobile applications out about eight years ago. Um, so it's been coming for quite a period of time. And like I said, obviously, young, younger guys, younger generation, that's all they want. They, they're happy with mobile technology. You know, they, they use their, you know, their TikTok and their Facebook <laughs> and their Twitter or whatever they've got. You know, They're always on their mobiles. So, you know, it, it's not unfamiliar territory for them. So now translating that into the workplace, you know, it's very easy for them to, to adopt that technology in the workplace. Now you you send a, you know, a 25-year-old sort of fresh out of college to come and work in an airline and he's got to do some work on paper and on screens and, you know, that's not that's not sort of quite familiar territory for them. So I think, you know, the the mobility side really is, is a big advantage with, with the younger generation for sure.
0: And there are recent trends also the adaptation by the regulatory bodies as well. I think they're accepting the technology
2: more and more.
0: And I think in the US with our relationship with the FAA and uh, working with them using our products as well, I think in the North American market, it's been a lot easier to adapt. And in Europe as well, they're adapting as well with the requirements for digital signatures and sign-offs and digital certificates. And I think that's gonna evolve the product even more to have airlines go to their, you know, Meet their digital uh, strategy for
1: the next couple of years. Omar, you mentioned a couple of different markets, North America and Europe. So let me ask you, based on that, are you see any significant differences uh, coming uh, from 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 customers in in the different areas in the world?
0: There are different requirements coming in around you know solutions to make things more efficient. I think in Europe, we're seeing a lot of customers looking at the. AI part of it, trying to automate processes, trying to automate certain things to, to be more efficient. And the mobile apps for us are behind that platform with our core ERP. But the requirements in the US is more getting rid of paper, getting rid of, you know, the manual processes behind paper and moving the paper around and capturing the paper and, and the logbooks and the task cards. So And you know, it's getting out to North American customers since they outsource a lot of the heavy maintenance. They're also asking the MRO providers to start digitizing their platforms to send data electronically because they don't want to have a back office person because they can't find the resources to enter data for something that should be or could be automated. And so we're getting a lot of requests for that and that's opening up the market for us, especially in the MRO sector. Where they're selecting us to provide those digital solutions to satisfy those customer requirements.
1: Thank you. So I want to switch to a little bit the, the macro factors that we have been observing in in the last uh, year or so, not only in uh, in Americas but also in Europe and Asia. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed any significant differences in the conversations you have with your with your clients around the globe in terms of their needs? or what they're asking you to, to do, or what the priorities are? For example, asset productivity, is, is that the top priority or not? Agility of, of, the, of the product, and so on.
0: I think the biggest thing is supportability of the current products that they have and migrating into a newer platform that can allow them to grow and scale. Uh, right now, a lot of them are stuck, in, especially in Europe, are stuck with systems that don't allow them to scale. Uh, and the same thing in North America. I think we're all facing this, they're all facing the same challenges, but the priorities around what gets done first is, I think, different in North America versus in Europe. In Europe, they're focused more on kind of scaling the ERP system, getting it to the new platform and then mobilizing, where in the U.S., they want to mobilize first and then scale with the ERP later. That way they can get the frontline users on mobile devices so they can enter data in real time because everything is about time and efficiencies and getting the aircrafts out. So we do see different priorities, but ideally more in the US we're seeing that mobilization because of the number of flights that we have here in the North American market, where in Europe they have the same capacity, but a lot of them fly international. And you know they, want, they have a different interest where they want to have the ERP to the latest version, to the latest you know supported versions where they can have a supported system that they can then scale and grow and mobilize their, their, their different technicians. So this is where I see the differences between the two markets. Uh, But I think in the U.S., everybody's, in North America in general, they're very focused on efficiencies Mm -hmm. because of the lack of ability to get resources. Uh, You know, they want to make things more efficient on the front line, and in the back office, they want to have things automated a little more. Now, you have a lot of folks kind of in the older version of trucks that are considering Mm -hmm. kind of like uh, upgrading, obviously, um, would you want to maybe elaborate a little bit of what do you see the benefits, some of the, the also the challenges that you share around kind of that upgrade? Well, we've done our programming team, which is head of Miguel Sosa. Uh, they've done a very good job of working with the mobile products, making it backward compatible to Trax15 and allowing the bigger customers to meet that digital in, in, in initiative before they get into the newer platform, which is EMRO. And we've seen a lot of success with that because we are able to take care of a good, you know, large portion of the population of airlines, mechanics, warehouse people, get them into the, the mobile solutions. And then when we get into EMRO, we're really just focusing on the back office users, which is a smaller controlled group. And, you know, they, we focus on those groups and the implementation goes a lot smoother uh, when we go through that process. So, you know, the programming team and the technical teams in the office have done a very good job of trying to make it in that background as much as possible. But there's still limitations because with EMRO, we're evolving EMRO well to do 3D imaging on aircrafts, digital signatures. And, you know, there's certain things that is not backward compatible because of the technology. So we're starting to run into those things. But I pushing question the customers to do is that let's get the devices on the technician side of it so they can at least be more efficient better than not having nothing and then evolving them. And when they jump into EMRO, they will just have these nice new features that they can adapt.
1: Great, thank you, Omar. So let me switch gears and mention that Trax was very recently acquired by AAR, a leading aviation service provider. So that acquisition, do you feel, or do you, do you expect that it will change in any way that the product role for, uh, for Trax?
0: From the track standpoint, we're going to still be an independent subsidiary of AAR. Our innovation, development, and, and structure of the company is still going to be the same. We will have some new leadership in to help with that scaling of tracks itself. But we're going to continue supporting our customers, continue supporting the MRO customers as well that are in the same sector and providing that innovation and digital innovation strategy that we have what we had before the acquisition. Uh, with AAR, we will be working with them on doing uh, electronic uh, data transfers, EDI transfers of parts and work packages and stuff like that. So we're looking at for the future. That's a future future item that we're going to collaborate with them. But ideally, the organization is still going to be independent. And we, if we need funding to expand our regional presence around the world or funding to expand or fund development projects that we want to do, we will go to AAR to to request for help. And, you know, and also we get away from the stigma of Trax is a small company. Uh, they're independent. We've been an independent company for 25 years and we've done very well by ourselves. But AAR opens up a lot of doors for us too in the uh, military government sector. And also it with bigger operators as well, where we have the backing of a big brother, basically, uh,
2: to help fund and manage i think uh one, one of the benefits that aar saw with acquiring tracks was you know we're, we're a very sort of entrepreneurial company mm-hmm. um you know we started tracks yeah 26 27 years ago uh, there were just three of us um and we you know we grew the company to where it is today and aar recognize that that's, that's something that they want to maintain and as omar mentioned that's why it's going to be a, an independent subsidiary so we can maintain that entrepreneurial spirit we can We can develop things quicker. We don't necessarily have to go through a a big approval process to do new projects. And AR, of course, they're going to be funding a lot of those developments. So they want us to come to them with projects that we want to do, additional technology or user-based products, um, so that we can continue to develop products and improve and increase the size of the company, improve the product availability to clients as we've done for the last 27 years. But now, of course, you know, with with a lot of good backing and as Omar mentioned, with the full scalability to bring tracks up to a, uh, you know, a big sort of public company standard, let's say.
0: Mm -hmm. Are are there any like short kind of term immediate investments that you're expecting from them or Mm -hmm. focus?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, uh, as we know, resources have been challenging, uh, you know, for everybody. So, you know, they're they're putting a a lot of um, effort into Helping us secure those resources as well. Um, and we have been using internal resources at AAR already. So that's helping us uh, you know on, on the scalability side. As Omar mentioned, you know, we've got a couple of guys come over from AAR to help us on that, on that scaling of the business. So, you know, they're doing a, a great job already. And we've we've already seen the impact within the last month. And obviously, it is a transition process. You know, it's it's gonna take us a year to settle down, understand how each other works, what the priorities are you know, we've got, we've got short-term goals that we're working towards. And, you know, we've been, say, if we've had a month, it's been pretty successful so far. It's a lot of work. We, you know, we think we both recognize it's going to be quite a bit of work to get things where we want it to. But, you know, the, the goal of AAR is to get tracks to, a, you know, $100 million plus company within two to three years. So, I mean, that's their goal.
1: Very good. Thank, thank you, Omar. And thank you, Chris, for, for this insight. You've been successful at growing the customer base, obviously you have actually pretty ambitious goals uh, for the future. Now, at the same time, uh, you're faced with a tight labor market. So how do you accomplish all this, you know, additional growth, keep supporting uh, your current customer base, and obviously employing uh, new
2: people? Uh, are you more excited than frightened about the future? Obviously, there's always elements of fear in, in the unknown in that sense. Um, but you know, we, with AR opening so many new doors for us, and, and on top of that, you know, they, they recognise that there are areas where perhaps Trax has been a little bit more in isolation in, in some things, and we should be perhaps reaching out and working with partners more, but um, you know, other integrators. And also outsourcing some things, some things that traditionally you know, we may have struggled with. Uh, you know, we can outsource some of those things to, to other more specific companies that have got better, better skill and more established. And take advantage of, of uh, you know where they are in 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 terms of their company development. So I think you know we're we're looking a lot more at spreading the load, uh, you know, throughout other organisations as well. Obviously, you know, carefully chosen partners. Um, but you know, I, I think that's really one of the ways that we're going to scale the company without having to necessarily grow our resource in Miami as such.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Uh, I would like to go back um, to the broader market for, for a moment. If you look ahead three, five, or more years down the road, w- what are the things that really excite you uh, in the tech ops space?
2: Yeah, so uh, I mean, from from my I mean, I work primarily in sales. So you know, from my perspective, you know, I'm I'm dealing with clients. You know, they either have existing systems that want to change or or new clients, new startups. And what's quite obvious with the with both of those categories is that you know resort there are resource constraints so you know they're wanting systems to do far much more for them um so you know we we've been looking at a lot more automation now you know we we have um you know robot process automation for example within the system we have uh, elements of automation in terms of like creating you know line work orders this type of thing you know if you've got a large fleet of a 1000 aircraft you know you want a lot of this stuff to be automated so you know you're saving man uh, you know getting those efficiencies up so I think, as I say, in, in both categories with new startups and existing clients, you know, they want far more automation than perhaps they've got currently. You know, we've got the decision-making capabilities. We're getting, you know, with the mobile apps, we're getting the real-time data coming into the core system. So, you know, anyone can sort of access that data. You know, building dashboards, building the analysis is obviously very important for people to be able to use that data in in an effective way. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I think that, that's sort of one of the main things really is they, they want to do more with less people. In terms of future functionalities, what are you guys are kind of R&D or working on? Okay, so, yeah, there, there's a lot on the roadmap. And since AAR, uh, you know, acquired the company, they've got some other projects that they'd like us to do as well. Because some of them, we, you know, we need to keep a little bit uh, quiet about. But, I mean, in general, you know, we're looking at incorporating you know, AI into the functionality of the product itself. Rather than developing an AI platform that sits outside or a product that sits outside of the core systems, we're actually looking at integrating AI into the specific functions that are being carried out throughout the system itself. So for example, you know, if a technician needs to make a transaction on the line, you know, currently he'll be selecting the programs, he'll be selecting the, you know, the fields he needs to enter and the data. But, you know, if we can incorporate AI into that actual application, you know, the engineer could speak to the device, for example, say, I want to raise a defect on the tail number I'm working on. You know, the, the machine already knows who he's working, what he's working on, what he can do. You know, it can then bring up the relevant information for him that he needs to see. He could say, you know, I need to inspect, uh, you know, the, the flap area or whatever it might be. The, the system then brings up the documentation for him, the task card. He can say, okay, I've, I've inspected it. I've not had any findings. The system then is going to close that task for him, do everything it needs to do in the background, but without him actually yet performing a transaction itself. So making the technician's life a lot easier, you know, they, they can just do it in a natural, you know, natural language processing way rather than trying to you know, remember to do all these different transactions. You know, training is a challenge. You know, with, these are complex systems, you know, and it, it can take you know, days, weeks, and sometimes even months, mm-hmm. depending on the role that you're training somebody for. So if we're introducing this sort of AI, NLP type technology, you know, it's going to make everybody's life so much easier. But at the same time, keeping all the regulatory records, you know, that the FAA or or the authorities will require. So I think that's quite an exciting thing. We're not there yet, but that's, that's definitely something that is on our horizon.
1: Omar, Chris, thank you so much today. You're welcome. Thank you again for the invite. Thank you.